Well, good morning again. I love to hear you visiting like that. That's amazing. And thank you for being flexible um, with our schedule change this morning. We just know there's going to be quite a few people traveling, and uh, there are. And so we decided to combine the services, and we hope that we reached most of the people. Most of the people, so not too many people are disappointed at the 11. But there's still going to be coffee and cookies for you in the, in the uh, cafe after this service. So I know you all really look forward to that time. By the way the cookies go every time, we know that you look forward to that time. Or at least the kids do. <laughs> anyway, um, Jeff, thank you for sharing a little bit about Christmas this morning because I tried so hard to come up with a Christmas sermon and it wasn't going anywhere. And so I've done this long enough to know if, you're <laughs> if it's not going, you don't want to force it because <laughs> then it's just your own strength. But I do have something that I want to share, um, something that I've been experiencing in my life and it's been wonderful for me, and so I want to pass some of that along to you. I'm going to start with a story out of Exodus. Some of you know the story about Moses. It's Moses and Joshua, and they were facing an enemy nation called the Amalekites. And they met him in a valley, and they went into battle. Joshua's down in the battle, and Moses says, I'm going to go up on the mountain, and I'm going to lift my hands. And when I lift my hands, you're going to have victory. And so that's exactly what happened. Moses goes up on the mountain, and the Israelites, they're battling the Amalekites. I think I'm saying it right. They're battling. And every time Moses lifts his hand, something begins to happen. The Israelites begin winning the battle. And then he gets tired after a while and he drops his hands. And then something begins to happen. The Amalekites begin winning the battle. All of a sudden, the Israelites are dying. And so Moses lifts his hand back up. And all of a sudden, Israel starts to win the battle again. And so this keeps going it's enough that they can see that's what's happening. So he knows, tired or not, I got to keep my hands up. I got to keep my hands up. And so Aaron and her come and they hold his hands up until the battle is won. Now, why, what's the purpose of the story? The purpose of the story is an act of physical obedience can bring a spiritual outcome, can bring you spiritual victory. It can actually cause angels to fight on your behalf. An act of physical obedience, raising your hands can affect the supernatural. That's like, what's going on? In America, we're so much in our heads. Well, I believe God sees my heart, and then why do I have to do anything more? This is why baptism, there's such a key to baptism. An act of physical obedience can bring a supernatural release, a supernatural grace in your life. You ever think, we, you ever try that with your spouse if you're married? <laughs> they know my heart. 
They know I love them. I, I don't have to do that. I got grace, right? <laughs> they know my heart. I don't have to get them anything for Christmas. <laughs> oh, man. I won't even have to go there. <laughs> Does it make sense? So an act of physical, so if it works for Moses, it works for you. And I want to talk about fasting, <laughs> fasting for a breakthrough. And I know some of you just got really excited, but I'm excited about fasting. I am excited about it. I'm going to go to Matthew 6, verse 5. Matthew 6, verse 5. This is Jesus talking to the disciples. And he says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets. They may be seen of men. Surely I say they have their reward. So basically, Jesus is saying the, the reason they're doing that is they have pride in their hearts. And if you have pride in your heart, in your prayer, I won't... I won't hear that prayer. <laughs> I'm not going to change anything on your behalf. The reward for having pride in your heart when you pray is other people think, oh, you're great, you're holy, whatever. That's all the further you get in a prayer. James 4, 6 says, God resists the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. You know what it feels like? To resist. God resists the proud. But he gives grace, enabling power to the humble. Now, why is this important? Pastor Penn said a number of times that in the coming year, 2022, we want to make a big emphasis on prayer. Anybody, anybody heard him say that yet? great not a single hand you guys got to be interactive today okay this is the last Sunday of the year it means you got to be more animated and interactive <laughs> all right come on there we go he gives grace to the humble one of the biblical ways and I'll, I'll prove it to you that you can humble your heart is to fast. And that's scriptural. I'm going to go back to verse 5. When it says, Jesus said, and when you pray. How many of you think that God actually expected them to pray? Come on. There's a few getting the message. <laughs> and when you pray, pray this way. God actually expected them to pray. Actually expected them to pray. If you, if you continue down to verse 16, he says, Moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. And basically, same thing. They're doing it for a show. There is no reward. There's nothing that changes any outcome when you do it with pride in your heart. This is not going to affect anything. But here's how you do it. Here's how you fast. So when he says here, 
when you fast, do you think he expected his disciples to fast? Actually, he did. I think he actually did. Now, full disclosure here, okay? <laughs> I don't have this all together. <laughs> all together in my life. There was a time when I, uh, I was a lot more uh, disciplined in it, and then it's hard. Fasting is hard. Like, there's a sacrifice in fasting. And some of you know I'm a foodie. I love good food. Like, it just makes me come alive. And so fasting is a real sacrifice. Some people just don't even care about food. Like, why don't you fast all the time then? <laughs> I love food. And so for a period of time, I just kind of allowed it just to fall off. Most people don't fast. They might do it for health reasons every now and then. But I started experiencing it more recently in my life again. And there's something to it. There is a supernatural grace released in your life. Help from heaven. And I've been experiencing that. So I think, I think for a lot of American Christians, they just think fasting is old-fashioned. Unnecessary. Why, why, why would I do that? Why would I want to do that anymore? So, if, um, if you've been at Wellspring for a while, you know that in the beginning of every year, and Jesse mentioned some of this, we like to just dedicate some time to fasting and prayer. And that's on you, however much time you want to put into that. There's nobody going to, you know, <laughs> talk to you. How much are you praying? How much are you fasting? But I think it's part of giving your first fruits to God. The first of your year, I want, to, I want to put a foundation of seeking the Lord. Seek him first in his kingdom in my new year. So I think if you actually take this upon yourself, there'll be real fruit in your life from it. Talk a little bit about what fasting is. Fasting, fasting is voluntarily abstaining from food. The definition actually means to cover the mouth. Now, you can abstain from social media or entertainment and all those things. That's, um, I guess, abstinence. I, I don't know. It's, but it's, fasting has to actually do with food because there's a real sacrifice in that. What is the purpose of fasting? And it's a, I mentioned this before, but it's a biblical way that you can humble yourself before God. Did you know the Bible never says that you're supposed to pray and ask God to humble you? I mean, you could do that. That's a, you know, you're brave. <laughs> but it says, you humble yourself before the Lord. And if you'd like an interesting study, just look up how many times the Bible mentions that and the effect that it actually has, humbling yourself before the Lord. Psalm 35, I just want to take you at a couple examples in the Bible. Psalm 35, 13, this is David. He comes to God and he says, I have humbled my soul with fasting. I've humbled myself with fasting. Isaiah 58 talks about the kind of fast that pleases God. See, the children of Israel, they were actually 
commanded. They had some commanded fast, like the Day of Atonement was one, where they had to fast by the law. And they got to a place, it was just a religious ritual, didn't affect their lives at all. Didn't affect how they treated each other. Didn't affect the way they lived. And God, God was displeased with them. And then he's talking about fasting. And he says, is this not the fast that I've chosen? A day for man to humble his soul. In the Bible, fasting and humbling yourself are undeniably connected. And humbling yourself and the effect that it has on the heart of God, undeniably connected. Any of you remember King Ahab? One of the most wicked kings in all Israel's history. The Bible actually says that he sold himself to do wickedness. He brought idol worship and all kinds of garbage into the nation, led the nation astray. And God was so displeased. He sent a message to the prophet Elijah and he said, go to Ahab and tell him your days are numbered. Judgment is coming. And I'll actually cut off your heritage. There'll be no living remembrance of you. No one to carry on your name. He was so wicked, he actually hired somebody to murder somebody just because of greed. Wicked though he was, the message cut his heart. And he decided to begin to fast and pray, repent and ask God for mercy. Now remember, this man is one of the most evil. And a message comes to Elijah and God says, did you see Ahab? Did you see the way that he humbled himself before me? Go tell him I changed my mind. I'm not going to bring it during his day. I'll bring judgment on his descendants. Nineveh is another example. And it reveals the heart of God about this judgment thing. And Nineveh was so wicked that there's people crying out. Crying out. And he says to Jonah, he says, you know what? The cry has come up before me. I want you to go and speak to the nation. Speak to that city of Nineveh. You know, that's a long story. He finally gets there. And his message as he walks through Nineveh, a city of 120,000, takes three days to walk through it. His message is, 40 days, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. 40 days, Nineveh's going to be destroyed. That's his message. The message finally gets to the king. And he says, puts out an edict. Everybody, fast. Don't allow food, water, touch your mouth. Put on sackcloth and ask God for mercy. And that's exactly what happens. God sees. They humbled themselves before me. And he says, you know what? I'm not going to bring that judgment. I'm not going to bring it after all. I changed my mind about that. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. That upset Jonah, though. <laughs> that upset Jonah. 
God spoke to Solomon in 2 Chronicles 7, 13 and 14. I want to read that to you. 12, 13, 14. Then the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and I have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. When I shut up heaven and there's no rain or I command the locusts to devour the land or to send pestilence among the people, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. I love that. I've heard people teach that this verse is no longer applicable because now we're in a new covenant. Well, I don't know, but I got news for you. God is still looking for people who will humble themselves. God is still looking for people who will pray. God is still looking for someone who will seek his face. And God is still looking for people to turn from their wicked ways. There's a sacrifice in that. I believe it still moves the heart of God. I know it does. God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to hear from heaven. I'll forgive your sin and I'll heal your land. Remember what I said about American Christians? I th- like, like, we think we're a little bit in our heads sometimes. I'm not, I'm not sure if you're catching this. Anybody of you remember Pastor Jamie? Pastor Jamie from Chile. Pastor Jamie was here. I got to go on a trip with him uh, down in New York City back when we could easily go down to New York City. Remember those days? <laughs> and I remember um, he, was, he was just telling the group of us some of his story. And he said, yeah, the church that he was a part of, the church that he was a part of, he said some teaching came into our church that was very much, um, I forget the word that he used, but he said, it was all about um, just all about receiving what God has done and, and basically you don't have to do anything type of thing. And he said so much so that it just became a joke. Ha ha, I woke up this morning early to pray. Ha 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 You know, that was, God knows my heart. God knows I love him. So why would I wake up early and seek his face? Why would I? fast? Why would I do any of this thing? He said, you know what? Within two years, the church had no spiritual life. He said, we were just so ineffective. Nothing happened. He said, that's actually when he became uh, the pastor of the church. And he said, it took a while to get that kind of thinking out of the hearts of the people. I think there's a major key in here for America, for us. I've experienced this in my life 
Have you ever felt flatlined spiritually? You felt just flatlined. I don't know what's happening. Nothing's happening. Nothing's going anyplace. Self-sufficiency is an enemy to your spirituality. We're wealthy Americans. <laughs> if, you, if, you, if, you got, if you got trouble, you, you can just kind of buy your way out of it. You can, you can just do something. God is still looking for people who rely on him. Second Chronicles 16.9, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking for a man or a woman whose heart is, the Bible says, loyal to him, fully turned, fully committed. Do you know what that means? Whenever you're self-sufficient, you have no dependence on God. David's a man who was the wealthiest man in all the earth at his time. Wealthiest man in all the earth. Still, he found a way to keep himself dependent on God. And he'd say, I, I, I just, I would humble myself before God. I humbled myself with fasting. I found ways to prove to God. Here's the thing. If you're proud, what do you do about it? Can you just change? Oh, I recognize pride in my heart. Change. No, there's something where you actually say, I actually need supernatural help in this area of my life. And God brings the help. There's grace released into your life. couple more things about fasting. Fasting isn't a way to strong arm God into giving you what you want. Fasting prepares you to be able to contain or be part of the process that God already wants to do in and through you. Fasting isn't a hunger strike to get your way. Kenneth Hagin was a powerful man of God, but when he was 15, he died. And he had an angelic visitation from God. From, from Jesus. There's a lot of miracles in his life, but he says one of those times Jesus spoke to him and he said, whenever the power lifts off of your life, he said, fast until it returns. I don't know if some of you are going to believe this next part or not, but anyway, David Hogan is a missionary to Mexico. He fasts every other day. He has personally seen 28 people raised from the dead, over 400 people raised from the dead through the ministry that he's a part of, the network there. Charles Wesley, John Wesley. John Wesley wouldn't ordain anybody to the ministry unless they fasted Wednesday and Friday until dinner time. Wouldn't. Like, this is actually a part of people's life, used to be. Today, We've kind of given it up. And I feel like our spiritual power shows that. John and Charles Wesley, they would both, if, if they felt a, a, a lack in their spiritual life, when they lost spiritual hunger, they would fast until it returns. Jesus went into the wilderness at the beginning of his ministry, fasted 40 days. And the Bible says he returned in the power of the Spirit. And that's where you see actual 
power begin to happen. <clears throat> I experienced sometimes of uh, when of a more extended fasting, and I remember those were some of some of the most more powerful experiences that I've ever had with the Lord came during those times or immediately afterward. Things that I would say changed my view of God for the rest of my life. You ever have a moment that now it's sealed in my heart? Like, I know something that I know, that I know, that I know, that there's nothing that can remove it away. That has happened to me in a time of fasting. If your spiritual life feels flatlined, it could be possible that your flesh is just too loud. Fasting is a way to starve your flesh. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with your flesh always, but it's, it never wants to sacrifice. It always just wants comfort. It wants its own way. There was a time that the disciples tried to cast out a demon. They couldn't do it. And Jesus came and cast out the demon. They said, why couldn't we do it? And he says, this kind only comes out by prayer and by fasting. In another sense, if you don't have control over your stomach, you probably aren't going to be able to control a demon. <laughs> Here's a challenge. If you've never fasted before, just begin. And here's what's helpful. If you choose beforehand the amount of time that you want to fast, because I've done it many times, I'll just fast and, you know, I'll just see how long I can go. Well, dinner time is loud. I think I fasted long enough. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay, like, you know, even, even fasting a meal, that's, that's great. I feel like there's real power when you actually push through some of those, man, I'm hungry. <clears throat> Choose the length of time beforehand. Change your lifestyle to match your fast. If you try to just continue at the same pace, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you can do it, and sometimes you just, you know, you get a little hangry. Choose your reward. Jesus said it. God will reward. So, here's some reasons to fast. If you need more spiritual power in your life, if you want to become more sensitive to his voice, if you want to break the power of your flesh in some habit or addiction, you've found that within me, I'm not able to stop this. That's when you do what Moses did. Moses lifts his hands and he says, I actually need supernatural help in this situation. I see that as being what a fast is. Fasting is a way to dependency on God. Fast to receive guidance in your life. 
If you're not fasting for a purpose, it's called going hungry. And if you're not praying while you fast, it's just a diet. So, fasting is actually becoming more popular, but it's just for health reasons. Like, because people see all the benefits, like you get a clearer mind, you get, you know, it actually, I heard a person, um, they told me that they went on a 10-day fast, water fast, no, no, nothing added, no sugar, you know, added. And they said they had fibromyalgia. And they said, at the end of the 10-day fast, they said, 90% of all my pain was gone. So your body actually finds ways to heal itself in that time instead of continually building, building, building. It'll go to work at repairing what's gone wrong. So, anyway, there was, a, there was a time that I journaled during a fast, and, you know, you wrote all the things that are, man, I need help here, 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 here. You didn't notice that much during the fast, but afterward, I went back and read that, and within a few months, I had noticed that everything that I journaled about had changed. Become dependent on God. And do it in more than just your words. Do it in more than just your thoughts. Oh God, I, I depend on you. I trust in you now. Just find a way to humble yourself. Amy's told me there's something that happens in a fast where you lose, I guess that's part of what it is. There's naturally we carry up maybe a pride or an arrogance. We can make things happen. We can do it. You know how God resists the proud. And um, Amy has told me already, she said, I like you better when you fast. <laughs> Just because there's something that happens on the inside. There's that hangry part that sometimes isn't always pleasant to be around someone. <laughs> you know what hangry is? Yeah, you got to get past that part and just allow yourself to become pliable to the Lord. I think he's still looking for people who humble themselves. Still looking for people who pray, who seek his face and turn from their wicked ways. I think if America, the Christians in America would actually just receive this key, we could see powerful things happen. Because of ourselves, we can't change our village. We can't can't change our city, our state, our country, but actually God can. He can release angels, supernatural help on our behalf. Why don't we stand up? So Lord, right now we say we need you. We want to become dependent upon you. Lord, I pray that You'd inspire, Lord, if there's anyone that's just feeling like they're flatlined, not going anywhere, nothing's happening, I have no vision, I don't feel like I'm moving forward, would you show them you can't get out of it by yourself? You actually need supernatural help on your behalf. So, Lord, I pray that 2022, this coming year, would be a year of power 
and increase for your people. That we wouldn't, <laughs> we wouldn't become um, of no effect, but that we would be mighty and effective in God, in our places in the community, and in our families. We pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming. And uh, there's a snack in the cafe. So have a happy new year. Awesome.